Hello everyone, welcome back to Hood Chronicles. I'm Carla, and you will notice today that I'm flying solo. <laughs> so Lauren's off being amazing, but rest assured she will return. Uh, you'll just have to put up with me in the meantime. <laughs> so today I will be sharing my thoughts and perceptions on the materials I've read for the episode. And just to be clear, I will not read the book on the podcast. I'm just going to discuss some impressions of the book and potentially quote some sections. Okay, the book for this month is The Checklist Manifesto by Dr. Atul Gawande. Hope I said the name correctly. So as usual, let's talk a bit about the author first. So Dr. Gawande is a surgeon, a writer and a public health leader. And he's currently serving under the Biden-Harris administration as the Assistant Administrator of Global Health Development at the U.S. Agency for International Development. Ooh, USAID. <laughs> USAID. Okay. There is a quite vast list of accomplishments, and you are welcome to read about it in the Wikipedia page or on his website, which is um, atulgawande.com. But just as a warning, when I opened his website, it says a connection's not protected, just so you know. But I'll, I can put, I'll put all the links in the blog post or the blurb, etc. So who's the book for? The book is for anyone, really. Uh, the way the book is written allows it to reach pretty much every reader in the world. But here's a summary of contents. Well, summary. I say summary, but okay. So through his own experiences, Dr. Gwande does show us how checklists are important in a variety of contexts and how he brought them to his own practice as a surgeon. So the book explores how situations as complex as, you know, flying a plane, building an edifice or performing surgery can be aided by a checklist. And it's not to say that checklists are perfect. Like, as anything, they can be flawed. However, it is important to carry on perfecting them so they can support people. That's the whole point. Even though the book does delve into the use of checklists in a professional environment, they can really be used by anyone in any setting. So, Dr. Gawande discusses how he worked on a project with WHO, so the World Health Organization, on developing a surgery checklist that could be used on a global scale. And I'm not sure if they had a behavior analyst on this project, but from reading the book, I really don't think they did. So the efforts did pay off, however. So as they tested the checklist in eight different hospitals across the world, so in rich, poor and middle class settings, after three months of the pilot starting, various of the hospitals reported that the checklist helped them correct errors in procedures and prevent errors from occurring and deaths from surgeries. Um, so the deaths from surgeries, just so you know, decreased 47%. And that's a lot. What I found fascinating was that at the end of the trial period, they had the people who used the checklist to fill out anonymous survey. And 80% of the people surveyed found that the checklist was easy to use. 20% said they didn't find it easy to use. But when they were asked, if you were having this operation, would you want the checklist used? And 93% said yes. So this is in what we call social validity in ABA, and it's super important. Because it needs to be socially important for the people who are using it and the people who are receiving the tr any treatment or any benefits from it. The book highlights a few key features a checklist should have. So something called pause points, so it's when the checks happen. Communication, aka the teams talking to each other. And focusing on important and critical steps. 
as opposed to going through every single little one. The book also explains how they perfected the checklist for the surgical setting, you know, revising what was needed to stay, how to keep it brief, how to keep it quick, efficient, and simulating situations to train staff. So now, the question we always have to answer. <laughs> uh, did you? Did I enjoy the book? And, it, you know, to be honest, it had its moments. I was halfway through the book when I finally started to find it interesting. And I'm sure lots of people probably enjoyed it from start to finish. But some of the stories can be quite lengthy. And I just don't feel they were always relevant for the topic at hand. And I'm a bit of the, I'm the type of person who I like to hear the key points of something, especially when I'm reading to learn. And then when I have the key points, I like then the key points to be developed. But that's just the way my brain works. I guess everyone's different. Um, but as I was reading the book, it did become super clear that whilst developing a checklist for ch- surgeries, they could have you really used the behavior analyst. Um, But that's just my take. You know, are you really surprised that I'm banging on this topic again? Behavior analysts can help you guys. (laughs) Anyway, okay, so to get my point across about behavior analysis and the checklist, etc., I'm just going to discuss two situations from the book. So on page 112, when Dr. Gawande brought his checklist from Geneva to be used in his own practice, he handed it to the nurse who then completed the checklist by herself just before surgery. And the checklist was meant to be completed verbally and has a team, and this key step was not written on the checklist, and the staff wasn't trained on it. So in behavior analysis, not only do you need to train the staff when implementing an intervention, such as a checklist, that's an intervention, but you also need to be very clear on how the intervention is going to be run, how... And if it's meant to be done verbally, it should be specified. So the result of that lack of specificity and training, um, you know, they stopped using it. Like even in the book, he admitted throughout the day, he stopped using it. But anyway, the patient did survive. So (laughs) it didn't affect the patient's survival survival, But um, in that situation. But yeah, this is a perfect example uh, of how training and, you know, specific you know, being accurate about implementing interventions, how important this all is. And then on pages 132 and 133, there was a particular passage that caught my attention. And it said, I quote, To begin with, we rarely investigate our failures, not in medicine, not in teaching, not in the legal profession, not in the financial world, not in virtually any kind of work where the mistakes do not turn up on cable news. Right. <laughs> Sorry, Dr. Gawande. Uh, if there's one thing ABA definitely investigates, it is a failure. When something is not going as expected or a skill is not improving, ABA professionals will or should look at what's not working and why. And this is how we improve our practice. So I don't know if anyone's listening from the medical community, from who, but please do consider involving behavior analysis to support you guys because we're not saying we know everything but we can literally checklist this is part of our lives this is what we study behavior analysis can definitely help you guys and anyone literally um they got there in the end as they developed it and practice it um 
but but yeah, but yeah, they could have gotten there faster if they had a behavior analyst to support them a little bit. So these are just two of the various situations I came across in the book. There are quite a lot of them that I could talk about, but you know, there's no point in boring everyone. However, I did think it would be interesting to get a doctor's point of view on how the checklist is currently being used. And thankfully, I can just ask my mom. <laughs> so my mom is a practicing, bear with me, I'll try to say the word in English, anesthetist. It's so hard to say this word. We just say anesthetist in Portuguese. So she practices in Portugal. And she's been practicing, oh, my mom's been practicing for circa nearly 40 years, I believe. And I wanted to know what she had to say about the checklist. So I'll just, I'm just going to read to you what she discussed with me. So I'm just going to be quoting what she said, okay? I think it was around 2015 when the checklist started being used. We call it safe surgery. It was very quick and easy to do. It was all done verbally. I think it just solidified what was already being done. We've always done verbal checks, at least that's how I learned and how I practiced. I transitioned from working in hospitals into working in clinics for a while, and when I went back to working in a hospital setting, the checklist had completely changed. Now it's very long, and it requires an extra nurse in the operating room to fill it out on the computer. For example, I'll be working a 12-hour shift with the same team, and they still have us introduced to each other for every single surgery. Before, if you had the same exact team, you only had to introduce each other for the first surgery and then just do the regular verbal checks at each surgery. End of quote. So, from speaking to my mom about the checklist, it feels like who hasn't kept it, so the World Health Organization hasn't kept an eye on it. I understand they can't check every single hospital, but that's why you have lectures and conferences, etc. So you can speak to a representative of that country or area and make sure things are being well run. So in ABA, we call this a follow-up or even a maintenance check. I don't know about other countries or even other hospitals in Portugal, but it seems to me that the checklist currently being used, at least in Portugal, has diverged quite a lot from the original checklist and its ethos. Um, so potentially worth having a look at. <laughs> Just saying, I think if it's not making people's lives easier, what's the point? And we also need to consider that. I think nowadays, um, because I think also the checklist has gone in, got into this situation where doctors feel they need to protect themselves legally as well to me it's not just about providing the best care it's also about making sure they can prove they've done everything right in case someone wants to sue them because the reality is a doctor a doctor can do everything right and things can still go wrong because you know it happens uh, I'm not I'm not blasé about it but it does happen and it's big. I think doctors and nurses and health professionals have had to come up with a way to prove, look, I've done everything right. Uh, so, you know, because now there's much, there are many more people suing for malpractice. Some are justified, some are not. Uh, so I think this is a way of making sure they're covered. Because at least in Portugal, my understanding from speaking to my mom is that the tribunals don't always, even when the doctors done everything right, they don't always 
let's say, protect the doctor. And I know the patient needs protecting as well, but it just feels a bit unbalanced the way it's been done here. Well, here, well, in Portugal. So, yeah, that's maybe that explains why the checklist has changed so much. But the purpose of the checklist was not for this. It was just to make sure things were being done correctly and to be quick and to be an easy procedure to use. All right, so moving on to where to get the book, the physical book. Uh, so I'm just going to say the price is in pounds. Yeah, you guys know the drill. On eBay is £4.43. On Amazon is 8 18 Book Depository sells it for 8 18 as well. Blackwell as well, 8 18 A Books sells it for 3 74 including shipping. World of Books, £4.19. Pence. Waterstones, 9 99 and they also have something called the summary of the checklist manifesto, which I think, I think, yeah, I think the summary is more than enough. <laughs> sorry, doctor, the <laughs> tool. I'm so sorry, but the stories were so long. Um, Google Books, I think only a sample is available from what I could tell. Audible, $19.99. Are you all mad? You're all mad. So, and Apple Books does it for $10.99. Still a bit high, but it's definitely better than Audible. Okay, uh, there are some links we are going to put in the blog post and the blurb for you guys to check out, which um, two of them are um, articles from the World Health Organization when implementing the checklist, and the third one is a medical journal um, article about also the checklist, but that you have to make an account. You have to create an account in order to have access to it, but it's free to create an account, so that's fine. And as you know, we are working on turning our podcast episodes into blog posts, so we'll put all these links on the website. Just go to www.abaowls.com. And thank you so much for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Hood Chronicles, even though you just had me to listen to. Uh Definitely, I miss Lauren's input. <laughs> so, the next Hood episodes will be on Monday, the 21st of November. And please rate, like, and subscribe to uh, to us. We are on, in- sorry, on Instagram, we are at ABA underscore owls. We are chirping with ABA owls on iTunes and Podbean. Facebook, we are ABA owls. And you can always drop us a line on aba.owls.uk at gmail.com if you have any queries, questions, or even suggestions. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. <laughs>